I remind you that National Day of Prayer is May 2nd. That's a Thursday and we're hosting it. <laughs> Find a chair, folks. Charlie, our historian, was reminding me that it's nearly 10 years to the day when Adam first received that dream, accept the call, and then the letter in the mail from the military that was advertising, accept the call, uh, to military chaplaincy. And it's a long journey, but he's been faithfully pursuing that, and we admire it. I'd mentioned a a brief video that has been affecting me significantly and I decided uh, that I'd play it this weekend, uh, a portion of it. Uh, it's only nine minutes, but I'm going to play the first three or four minutes. Um, this is Richard Wormbrand rehearsing what he walked through as he was uh, in a Romanian prison for his faith. Uh, spent 14 years there, three years in solitary confinement. Uh, there were times when didn't ever see the sun, didn't see the birds, didn't see anything. What, what has drawn my heart in this is that uh, there are times when I've read some of the writings of Paul, when he's talking like to the Colossians and he's going, I'm praying for you all the time, always in prayer for you, and I'm going... He hadn't even met these people. You know, what, what kind of person does that? Well, when I, when I see Wormbrand talking about similar things, and, and if you watch, most of his, he, he, he does this pacing pattern, it's about the length of his bed. And it's, it's about five steps. On the fifth step, he's turning and he's going back. But you can see this rhythm that was a part of his life for years. And you begin to realize that um, part of the reason we don't explore the full depths of prayer is that we don't unclutter our lives enough to, to allow that to take place. And one of the things that I've been walking through personally is that last fall I found myself uh, work, living with anxiety that I wasn't getting enough done on, on the projects that I had attached to the land. And, I'd go away every day frustrated that, that something else had revealed itself as needing done. And I finally decided in the fall that, I, or approaching winter, I just wasn't going to go out there for a while. I was just going to cut that off. What I didn't anticipate was that one of my main prayer times has been in that trip back and forth, but also in the repetitive motion tasks. And so I was taking out a chunk of my life, but I wasn't necessarily replacing it here. And, uh, you know, that, that was going on, and I've been on this learning binge uh, of, of things. That <laughs> I can give you all kinds of new input on, on different things. You want to know a, a good cleaner? You know, I, I can tell you. I can put citrus peels in vinegar. 
You want to know about gasifiers? I can tell you. You want to know about, you know, uh, efficient stoves? Check out Arpavecho. You know, I, I, it isn't necessarily getting me where I want to go, but it's, you know, I've been on this binge, and it's like haven't settled in. And, and this video, in a sense, has helped bring back, okay, these are some of the core things that are essential. You know, and just... So I want you to see that and just uh, watch it for what you will. We're going to play two portions of it. My whole night I passed walking to and fro through this cell. I didn't have shoes. Every night I began by meditating on the word of God, the verses which I remembered by heart. I meditated so much until from meditation I arrived to seeing the scenes about which the Bible speak, uh, speaks. I really saw Abraham with his camels and I saw Jesus surrounded by multitudes and preaching to them. I saw St. Paul traveling. I saw the angels about whom the Bible speaks. Everything became a reality to me. Then I would pass hours praying, praying for the whole world. I traveled in my spirit from one country to, other, to uh, another. Every night I would pray for America, for Britain, for Africa. Australia, New Zealand, Germany, France. I would pray for your churches. I would pray for your children. <clears throat> as I'm very sure that you pass a good time of your night praying for the prisoners in communist countries. Every night I would deliver a sermon. There was no visible audience, but I preached to God. I preached to the angels. They are also interested to know what I think and what I have to say. I would prepare a regular sermon and I would deliver it. Sometimes we would be handcuffed with handcuffs like this to the back. The hands tied to the back. We could not move them. Food was brought to us. We had to lap it exactly like the dogs like this, we could not move our hands. The human body has many necessities. The hands were tied to the back day and night. But who can tie a soul? The soul can fly towards the Lord. It has not even to fly because the Lord is everywhere. We forgot that we are with our hands tied. And we pitied the communists. They have killed many Christians, millions. They have tried to kill us. How stupid. They can kill only bodies. We are not bodies. We are spirit, and the spirit can't be killed to die. For Christ, loving Christ, means to go to glory 
means to go to Christ. It's powerful. Like I say, nine minutes. But in watching that, um, realize that in solitude, this man had developed some areas of prayer that parallel what you see in Scripture in the life of Paul. And so when we talk about it, I just, you know, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't get into prayer. I don't. Part of it is we have multitudes of distractions. And so the challenge is to, to set aside things long enough that we can hear what's really important. And what I'd like to do today is um, I'd, I'm going to head into 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is considered Paul's last book. This is a different imprisonment than, than what happened in Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians and Philemon. But this is considered to be the last one. And yet uh, he is going over some things with some of the young leaders. He's writing it to Titus. He's writing it to Timothy. And what he's addressing are things that he's seeing as important. So he makes this statement, you then, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this particular statement, grace is that idea of unmerited favor. We live under the favor of God, right? We live with his forgiveness. We live with his presence guiding our steps. But he says, in that, be strong. And so he's saying, do what you can, even though you know that you are under this umbrella of God's protection. Do what you can as your part in embracing what he has done. And he says, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. There's a, a teaching that's gone around in recent years. You know, you give a man a fish, you can feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, you can feed him for a lifetime, right? Paul essentially takes that a step further and says, if you teach somebody to teach others how to fish, this thing can go in a multitude of directions. So he's, he's taking it and saying, okay, Timothy, I've trained you. Find others to train, but also who will be capable of training more. And if you, that's called a principle of multiplication. It just... It spreads. And so he's, he's saying, set your heart, you know, and for us, it'd be not just to see people come to Christ and not just to see them grow up in the faith, but see them capable of training others to train others. So it requires a, a longer perspective and a, a bigger picture than just the immediate. But saying this, this can go much wider if we'll take that approach. He next gives three pictures that are fairly timeless. Uh, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And just says, consider their examples. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So he says, just like the military and, and uh, you know, we're recognizing what Adam's been doing, there is a very set structure and authority in all of this. And he says, 
Christ is our authority, and we want to please him. We want to follow what he desires. And so in that sense, acknowledge this example in ordinary life and apply that to your relationship with God. It says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive a victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So again, it's, it's like this sowing and reaping idea, but he's saying, you know, obedience has its place. You know, if you're going to compete in a, in a contest, you've got to follow the rules. You can't run the mile and say, I'm only going to do three laps. I get tired if I do four. You know, it just, it doesn't work. They, they don't hand out prizes for three laps in the mile race. You know, we, we understand that. But he says, in Christ, it's, it's a similar thing. That's, we, we've got to respond to what he's calling us to. And then the hardworking farmer, he said, should be first to receive a share of the crops. So he says, there's, there's a reward involved with this. There's a, a return. And, uh, you know, we, we recognize that we want to be a part of that. Now, this is probably the, the least connected of, of the pictures right now. And yet, uh, for centuries, it, it was right there in front of them all the time. You plant in the spring, as most of us are hoping to do, should the snow ever leave. And then we assume in the fall there's going to be some kind of return. I'm not guaranteeing when the snow leaves. <laughs> he says, reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. So he says, chew on these things. This, this is connected to your relationship with the Lord. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. So this is our core teaching. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And he's, he's taking on the, the prisoner mindset and he's saying I know why I'm here it has to do with my presentation of the gospel but I considered it worth the price and so if you go back to these earlier pictures he's saying I'm enduring I'm obediently following what Christ has asked I'm competing just like he's asked me to and he says this is where it's taken me but it's worth it for what is being achieved Here's a trustworthy saying, and this is possibly one of the sayings of the church or things that they would repeat to each other. If we died with him, we will also live with him. We're willing to, to let go of this life and receive his. He says, we, we are going to live with him forever. So just keep that in mind. Death to self, life in Christ. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So he says, take on this attitude of endurance. If we disown him, he will also disown us. That's the downside. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. What I described to you earlier, when I'm wrestling with anxiety, the challenge is to turn back to the Lord and say, where's your peace in this event? It's not just to change your lifestyle. 
Faithlessness, in a sense, is looking for your own answers rather than responding to the one who's always faithful. Now, thankfully, (laughs) after a few months even, there can come this awareness from them that breaks through somehow, like through a video, and suddenly you realize, he's not abandoned me. He, he is always consistent. He will never fail. So the challenge is to line up with what he's saying. And as we come to those points, anxiety filters off. You know, the, the things that have bound us, that we've wrestled with, trying in our own strength, that we haven't gotten through, living in faithfulness, faithlessness, so to speak, when it's turned back to faith in the faithful one, peace reigns again. If we keep reminding them of these things, warn them before God against quarreling about words that's of no value and only ruins those who listen, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. So he throws in another picture of the laborer and says, do your best as a laborer. Now, he, he recognizes that there are quarrels that come up within a body, and there's quarrels over teaching and such, and he says, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And he names two people. Hymenaeus and Philetus. And, uh, <laughs> I wish I'd have written this down at this moment. <laughs> I thought I'll never forget those names. Hymenaeus and Philetus, I believe. You can look it up yourselves. <laughs> but he says their teaching spreads like gangrene. You know, it's a disease that will kill the body. He says, don't, don't get caught up in those things. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So he says that's, that's what our lifestyle is about. He says we're, we, we've confessed the name of the Lord. We've embraced his salvation. Now we are moving to become like him. We're stepping away from wicked patterns. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. You're entering the Lord's house, you might as well prepare yourself to be a noble vessel. You know, you have the choice. Do you want to be the safe that keeps the valuables of the house? Or in the UP, keeps all the guns? Uh, (laughs) Or, Or do you want to be the garbage can? You have your option but it has to do with how you live your life and how you're preparing him. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be an instrument of noble purposes, made holy and useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. At the end of his life, this is what he's saying is important. 
He's lived nobly. He's one that we admire. And he says, these are the things I want you to hone in on. These are the things I want you to apply yourself to. We could do well to do the same. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you for your scripture that speaks life to us. Thank you for your grace that has shown favor upon us. Build strength into our lives, we pray. Help us to prepare ourselves for every holy and good work that you would have us to do. Be exalted, we ask. of your coming life It burns so brightly in my mind And all creation longs and waits For the dawning of the the clutter in your life and just say what's really important and find a, a place of quiet whether it be just within yourself or in a setting where you can hone in on the things that are important you know I I, uh, I, I asked <laughs> last Friday how many have been able to go a whole service without their phone you know <laughs> It's rare for us to, to even set those things aside, you know, but it, there's the challenge that says a life well lived holds in on what's truly important. And we have to keep bringing ourselves back to that. I want to pray specifically for those of you that are wrestling with anxiety issues that uh, maybe have been unable to distance yourself enough from the chaos to say there really is a, a place of peace that's available for my life. And we'll just pray that God begin to break through and uh, work that within you. Lord, may your peace come upon lives this morning that have yet to sense it and the joy being set free of anxiety and worry. Lord, we recognize that there's much around us that we don't understand. There's much that's beyond our control, but not beyond you. And you have answers for each and every situation. You have answers for us individually. You have opportunity for us to live in your peace. So I pray that that would descend upon this group even now. 
as they reach out to you. Your name be exalted. As we go into our fields of ministry, I pray that each one would know the favor that you hold for their lives. I pray that their words be glorifying of you and that they would draw many to you. They would bring encouragement and strength through you. I pray that their deeds would be glorifying of your kingdom, loving toward all. I pray that you'll enable them to carry out the supernatural. We thank you that you gifted us with this purpose. Guide our steps, we pray. Be exalted and lifted up and honored and cherished. We love you this morning.